0: which means that at least in human beings we can reverse ageing and we can measure something.
1: Wow, it sounds a little bit like counting the rings in a tree.
0: That's true. The dif- the difference with counting the rings in the tree is that the human body is flexible. So normally the tree and the rings, they are accumulating, whereas if our interventions are successful and we already showed that, we can actually Decrease the number of rings again.
1: Silver Adventures is a content and technology company dedicated to improving the lives of older adults through immersive virtual reality experiences. And this podcast is our opportunity to hear from industry experts, thought leaders, and passionate individuals to share with you their knowledge, expertise, and experiences. Welcome to the Age Care Enrichment Podcast. Hello everybody, welcome to the show. I'm your host, Ash Deneef, and today we're taking a look at a word you might have heard before, but aren't sure what it means, geroscience. And we've got Dr Andrea Meyer from the Universities of Melbourne, Singapore and the Free University of Amsterdam to help explain what geroscience is all about. Andrea is a professor, geriatrician, author and speaker whose research focuses on unravelling the mechanisms of ageing and age-related diseases. And in this episode she explains really clearly why age is such a factor in the onset of conditions like dementia, lung disease and cancer, and how by treating the symptoms of ageing we can reduce the risk of these diseases and even get a bit younger. Yes, I mean what I said there. As you'll hear, Andre explains how we can actually change our biological age with the help of medical interventions early in life. Before we get into it, if you're looking for a quick and free way to help support the show, there's two things that you can do that we'd really appreciate. One, you can share your favourite episode with a friend or colleague, that's always good. And two, you can write a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening. Reviews mean more people find the show, and the more listeners we have, the easier it is to land some of those high-profile guests, which means it's more value for you in the end too. That's a win-win for everyone. All right, that's enough of that for now. Here is our interview with Dr. Andrea Meyer. We hope you enjoy. Awesome. Well, Andrea, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today.
0: Thank you for having me.
1: It's a real pleasure. And can we start with a bit of your background and the work that you do?
0: I'm Andrea Meyer. I'm 40-plus. I think that's very important for this topic, and I really would like to solve the aging problem I am by training a geriatrician, so working with older individuals, but I'm also a general medicine specialist, so I studied medicine and then specialized looking into diseases while doing my medical studies. I also did lots of research into different topics, but especially in the end, the biology of of aging, so I'm a researcher. I'm a professor at the University of Melbourne, at the Free University in Amsterdam, and since recently also at the National University in in Singapore.
1: Wow, you're spreading yourself thin across three different time zones there.
0: (laughs) I would say this is is sometimes not easy, but it can also be very efficient.
1: (laughs) Very true. And you said something there about solving the aging problem. What did you mean by that?
0: So the population we have on Earth, so the species uh, we are, the Homo sapiens, we are growing old, which is the success of modern medicine, but also that our environment is very safe and that we have um, very good hospitals. So it's really hard actually to die. There, as a consequence or as a gift, our population is aging. With the aging process, there are lots of age-related diseases Think about uh, dementia, hypertension, lung diseases, cancer. So all these diseases uh, happen at older age. So while our population, we as a society are growing old, we have um, an aging problem, which might be, first it was a gift because we are growing older, but um, the negative part is that we have lots of age-related diseases. So we are not entirely growing old uh, gracefully.
1: So this term of age-related diseases, this is implying that age is somehow a factor in the arrival or the onset of these diseases. You mentioned diabetes and dementia Alzheimer's there. How is age-related in the onset of these?
0: So if you are at a certain age, your your chance of having a disease is much higher, therefore we call it also age-related diseases the risk that you will have a disease is increasing significantly from the age of 40 onwards. Um, Giving you a couple of examples, 50% of a 50-year-old population has at least two chronic diseases, 60% of a 60-year-old population at least has two or more chronic diseases. And at the age of 70, it's 70%. At the age of 80, it's 80%. So age is a huge risk factor. And aging means that we are using our body every day. We are using our body every minute, every second. Now everybody listening is using the human body because hopefully we are breathing and we are mm-hmm. doing something and we are actively listening, which means that we are using all our organs, our our muscles and our brain to actually process what you're hearing, hearing at the moment. And as you all might imagine that if you're using something, that something, so for example, the body, will have accumulated a little bit of damage because we are using it. So it's not new anymore. And while mm. using the body, which we call yeah, the aging process, therewith the, the body or something you are using is actually at risk to break or to lose function. And therewith we call that in the human body, we call it a disease.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay. But something I imagine is part of the body's processes is regenerative processes and, and ways to kind of restore this damage. Is it the case that as we get older, this faculty diminishes?
0: Uh, yes, partly. So from the first second we are born, or even during conception, We are using the human body and our body is very clever and our cells are very clever because they try to diminish actually the damage and they try to restore and to make a new sort of cell and a new body and to repair everything. However, um, this repair is never 100%. So there will always be touches of a little bit of damage. as you see in lots of things you're using, you cannot really polish something to make it new again. You can polish a little bit, but it's not new. So there is always a little bit of damage left. And during the aging process, the processes of repair, we call it, they are also decreased. So older individuals or aging individuals are less likely to repair all the damage just by using the body in the way younger individuals can do that. And if you cannot repair, then you accumulate the damage, which is then a sign or it can be a sign that there is an age-related disease in the end.
1: Mm. And now something we wanted to talk about today is geroscience. Is there a link here between the body's natural aging process and geroscience?
0: Absolutely. Geroscience is a quite hip word or a terminology being introduced around about 10 years ago from, and it's coming from U.S. Because what it is, geroscience, it's a little bit the combination of the understanding of why we age, so the biology of aging, together with the understanding of accumulation of age-related diseases, so why we grow older with age-related diseases, and really tries to understand how these um, mechanisms interfere. So how, what is happening during the aging process at the moment, what's happening in our body and what's going wrong that in the end that damage is showing up as a disease. Mm. And there was also the the aim of geroscience is of course to prevent this, to prevent age-related diseases. So the occurrence of dementia, of cancer, of lung diseases, of osteoarthritis, of osteoporosis, of sarcopenia, all the diseases we know of.
1: So with uh, what is causing aging then, when this question is posed to me, or I think about what that could mean, it frames aging as an optional element of life. Am I hearing that incorrectly?
0: No, that's absolutely correct. So if you want to treat something, if you want to prevent something, first of all, you need to understand why something occurs. So and while increasing the knowledge, while, why aging occurs, we first have to understand it. So in now, in the last 20 years, we understood at least partly why we age. And while having that understanding, of course, it gives us the opportunity to then to interfere which means that we are interfering with aging and to be able to interfere with aging, we need to define aging as a disease. Cause I'm a medical doctor. I um, use to treat diseases.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So I need a disease to prescribe, for example, interventions by giving medication or while um, asking a surgeon to fix something. So, mm-hmm. Aging is, since 2018, it's recognized as a disease. We have the international classification of disease registration, where now aging is part of that. And since 2018, it's there was recognized that the age-related changes in the human body, they can lead to age-related diseases and we are allowed to treat them. So, therewith, coming back to your question, actually, you are saying that aging should be, of could be, treatable. Yes, we are mm. treating aging, or the process, what's occurring during time. We are treating that as a disease and try, for example, with medication or some sort of lifestyle changes, to reverse it.
1: To ask a kind of dumb question about interfering in maybe the natural order of things here, it feels a bit odd to come from an outsider's perspective and think, isn't that just what bodies do? Sure.
0: But this is what medicine is doing. We are interfering with physiology or pathophysiology, so everything what's in the making or what is not good in the making of our human body. If we have, for example, somebody who has diabetes, Mm. and uh, receive medication we are interfering with so much in the human body so medicine is really built on interference of of with cells in our human body that we always do that what we are doing in geroscience we do it a little bit earlier we don't wait until there is a disease an age-related disease we were treated in the hospital or at the GP clinic but we try to actually avoid that stage interfere much much earlier at the age of 30 to 40 and maybe even earlier
1: wow so we've got this earlier intervention and we're improving the quality of life and extending the lifespan what exactly is the kind of end goal here
0: the end goal is the health span. So you just mentioned the lifespan. So the lifespan mm-hmm. is the years, the number of years on Earth. <laughs> so how how old you're going to, to be. The health span is the period with good health. And mm-hmm. we are defining that as the number of years you have without age-related diseases. So that's health mm-hmm. span So the aim of geroscience is not per se, increasing the lifespan, so how long you are on Earth, but increasing the health span, so how long you are on Earth without age-related diseases. There is one side effect. If you are have a long health span, so if you are long on Earth without age-related diseases, then the side effect is... And you can say if it's a positive or a negative side effect <laughs> that you are very likely also to live longer. So the mm. health span will interfere very likely with the lifespan. So because you need something to die off, and it can either be an accident, and mm. um, that's absolutely not related to, to age-related diseases, but most of the times you die because of age-related diseases because your body is not. Uh, good enough anymore to fight them and that's the reason most of the times for death
1: you Mm. can
0: die of cancer you will die of COPD you will die with dementia um, you will die because of lots of age related diseases and the body is giving up so if we are increasing the health span so the health the period in health then we will extend the lifespan but it's not the aim and especially not my aim to have an even greater number of individuals on Earth with lots of age related diseases, because that doesn't make sense at
1: all. Mm-hmm. So, I guess one side effect of extending the health span would be reducing the time that somebody needs intensive or high levels of care. Would you say that it is the ideal situation that we, we live a full and healthy life right up until several weeks before dying?
0: I would say that that would be ideal. Mm-hmm. If you yeah. actually know when that time comes, <laughs> because to be very honest, sometimes it's also a very important time in life, the last phase to mm. actually to say goodbye to others. So if we can predict when we are going to die and then having that fast significant iteration of our body that economically would be wonderful but I think that you have to know when to actually to say goodbye to to others but um, that's what animal researchers really see very frequently that for example mice which are treated with anti-aging agents or medications that they are living quite functionally well until the last day, and then um, they are found in the cage being dead. So it seems that there is a a rapid decline in function, and that that is actually possible. And of course, if you look from an economic and societal perspective, that would, of course, be quite quite ideal. So there was reducing the number of individuals in residential aged care facilities, and the periods of time they need help because every human being of most of them they want to live independently at home that's most of the times the wish of human beings Mm. to be surrounded by your own stuff to be surrounded by things you like and being independent and that's
1: very important Mm, okay, so it sounds like that there will be, you know, all things considered, if geroscience achieves its aims, there'll be some sort of balance between what's efficient and what allows for a really a healthy exit to life.
0: And healthy exit to life, I love that one.
1: That's the name of my first book. Wow. <laughs> awesome. So something else you've been doing, Andrea, is uh, repurposing medications. You've been doing some research into the the use of different medications for treating dementia. Can you tell us a bit about that?
0: So we have a huge amount of medications present uh, at the moment. Think about medication you take for uh, diabetes or for in high blood pressure or for, for different diseases, even psychiatric diseases. And we learned so much in the last, last year to the last 50 years about medications how they act, what kind of side effects they have. We give them to a huge amount of individuals and we know how they work and they're quite cheap. Most of the medications we, we already have that we saw in the neuroscience field, hey, there's so much knowledge and we know what these medications do. Couldn't we repurpose these medications to also give them not to diseased individuals, but to aging individuals, because some of the medications, they interfere with the human body in a way that it could be quite helpful for either repair or maintenance of cellular actions. So the entire field is now really investing on the repurposing of drugs to actually see in trials with human beings what that would look like if we can actually give them, of course, we can give them to healthy individuals, but if they then are biologically younger in the end, in their ways on the longer term, they will not have age-related diseases like cancer, cardiovascular disease, et cetera. So we did lots of research to actually see what kind of medications could be useful to repurpose, which are quite cheap, but also with not many side effects. And we especially looked in the field of dementia because dementia is occurring in 25% of 80 year olds and um, we don't have a treatment yet for dementia. So, There was, we really summarized and also doing trials now here in in Singapore to see what are the candidates we could use. And we found a couple of candidates actually, which are quite positive if we are looking at animal studies and which have some positive signs already in human studies.
1: Hmm. So can you give us some examples without going too deep into the technical specifics?
0: I will give the example again of diabetes. So if you have Hmm. a high blood sugar, level, lots of individuals get then uh, metformin. Metformin is a medication to actually to lower the the glucose blood uh, level and to also keep the cells a little bit healthy while having uh, higher glucose uh, levels. So the idea is if we would give that medication, but there are a couple of others to younger individuals to already make their aging cells a little bit smoother to react on food intake, for example, mm-hmm. that you would prevent all the damage while while eating at earlier earlier stages, already at the age of 30 to, to yeah 70 to 80. It doesn't really matter. Um, so that's one of the examples being tested in a very big study by a colleague of mine near Basili in US. He is including uh, thousands of US uh, Americans at the age of 60 to actually give metformin And um, we are going to do studies to also look at the mechanisms in much younger individuals at the age of my age, at the age of 40.
1: You're listening to the Age Care Enrichment Podcast, brought to you by Silver Adventures. And we want to thank all of our listeners and subscribers, especially those people who've shared this podcast with a friend or colleague. Because of you, we've just entered the top 50 mental health podcasts on Apple Podcasts and we're one of the fastest-growing health podcasts in Australia. We're looking to take the Aged Care Enrichment Podcast to the next level by partnering with great organisations to showcase their message with our rapidly-growing audience of aged care executives and people working within the industry. If you'd like to discuss what an advertising opportunity with our podcast can mean for your business, send us an email. We're at acepodcast at silveradventures.com.au. That's S-I-L-V-R Adventures. Remember, there's no E in there. Now let's get back to this week's guest. Mm -hmm. Okay, so throughout this whole conversation, we're talking a lot about preventative medicine and, and interventions to prevent future complications. This is not normally the way that medicine operates, right? This is kind of a shift of focus, isn't it?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Because I am trained as an internal medicine specialist to treat age-related diseases or to treat diseases. If somebody comes in with pneumonia, what do I do? Of course, I will prescribe antibiotics. If somebody has a high blood pressure, I will prescribe that and that and that. So what this means is that something occurred already and I will act, which is a reaction on something which happened. So now we really say, and we know that we can prevent things to happen, and therewith can act earlier. And in a way, for example, vaccination is a sort mm-hmm. of prevention. So I think everybody knows what prevention looks like. We all know that um, physical exercise and a healthy diet, not having a, a high weight, really prevents lots of age-related diseases, and we know it works. And geoscience also tries next to bringing lifestyle interventions to the clinical practice also to interfere with the body while giving medication.
1: Mm. So if you come with me on an imaginary trip here and we're imagining that the geoscience is kind of accomplishing these goals and we're we're treating things earlier and earlier in a preventative sense, do you imagine that people who are between the ages of 30 to whenever are starting to take pills and have treatments throughout the rest of their life to extend the healthy aging process?
0: Yes, you are right. I think your next question is then, are you really preventative or, because aging is a disease, so therewith we should start earlier and earlier. But yes, that's the scenario we are working on, that actually you get a shot at earlier age, at the age of 30 to prevent the accumulation of damage You repair the damage which already occurred, and there was your likelihood will decrease that you have age-related diseases in the end. So Mm. it will uh, be a lifetime of a life approach to end up not at a patient in a room with me as a classic general medicine doctor.
1: Okay, they're trying to keep you away, basically.
0: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm running, out of, uh, running out of patients in my waiting room, that's really my aim. But there was having other approaches, especially in the public health arena or primary care that we actually uh, tackle the symptoms 30-year-olds already have at uh, a much earlier space to, to grow older without diseases.
1: So a lot of this is in the kind of theoretical or research stage at the moment, right? Is there anything that's out of trials that's being used with humans to great effect?
0: Yes. Um, Some of these experiments have been proven positive and good in in human trials, but in very small trials. So including Mm. just 20 to 40 individuals. Recently, there was a study in individuals at the age of 60. These were all males in U.S and they were treated with a cocktail of four different medications. And that cocktail made them two and a half years younger after six months of treatment with that cocktail
1: what does that mean two and a half years younger
0: yes so they measured it by looking at biomarkers so we are using biomarkers to actually see if treatments work because we don't have the time to wait 10 or 20 years until there's a disease popping up that's Mm -hmm. a long time so we are using markers and they used aging clock looking at the epigenetic makeup that's very complicated so we have genes and on top of the genes there are levels of sugar and these levels of sugar on top of the genes, they can be altered and we mm-hmm. can judge a little bit how old somebody is. So it's a little bit a biological age clock. So in these individuals taking four medications were actually two and a half year younger compared when they are started with a cocktail, which means that a little bit the proof of principle that at least in human beings, we can reverse ageing and we can measure something. This doesn't mean, of course, that these individuals will not have the age-related disease, because we haven't proven that yet. But at least mm. we have the indication while using these markers to show it.
1: Wow, okay. There's, there's lots of... Uh, the mind leaps to many different directions here with the ability to measure somebody's age with biometric markers. It sounds a little bit like counting the rings in a tree.
0: That's true. The, dif- the difference with counting the rings in the tree is that the human body is flexible. So normally the tree and the rings, they are accumulating, whereas if our interventions are successful, and we already showed that, we can actually decrease the number of rings again. So therewith we know how old somebody is biologically, because we have now the expertise in measuring the biological age. So we can now say, okay, you are 50, but your body is actually behaving as a 40-year-old or as a 60-year-old, and that's your biological age. And if we then, if somebody's 50, but biologically 60, and we give lifestyle interventions, for example, we ask somebody to be on a treadmill (laughs) for Mm -hmm. three times a week during a couple of months, we can actually show that the biological age will decrease. So we already know from wild lifestyle intervention that we have very good markers to actually test that somebody is objectively being younger again.
1: Wow, okay. I'm sure there's lots of listeners who'll be thinking, yes, I am 50 years in lifespan, but biologically I'm still 29. Uh, (laughs) That's
0: important. So next time, ask your GP and say, hey, I have heard that podcast. What is my biological age? And hopefully you will have an answer. Very important also to the listeners is not only that we can objectively measure the body's age, so the biological age, but research also shows also our research that if we are asking individuals, how old do you feel? Hmm. That already gives a very nice association with risk of Outcomes you will not want to have, like death and diseases, etc. So if a a group of 60-year-olds is being asked, how old do you feel? And a group of individuals feels that they are three years younger compared to their passport age, so 60. So they feel Mm -hmm. 57 or younger. They have a 40% decreased likelihood to die compared to the ones who say, yes, I'm 60 and I feel 60. So if you are feeling younger, this is associated with something good. So yeah. because you have some reflection, I think, how you are going and how you are doing and how your body is functioning.
1: Wow, that's very interesting. I, I wouldn't have thought that how you would feel in your own body would have such a, a strong correlation to how you're actually going.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So people, of course, shouldn't know beforehand that there is a huge association because everybody would say, yes, of course, I'm (laughs) 60, but I'm feeling (laughs) 20. (laughs) So without that knowledge, if you ask individuals, it's a very good predictor of how Mm. it's going later in life.
1: Yeah. Andrea, we're almost out of time. I wanted to ask you one more question. And In the US, uh, very recently, we saw that a new drug has been approved to treat Alzheimer's and I'm going to try and pronounce it aducanumab. I think that's how you say it. Have you heard anything about this? Does this tie into your research at all?
0: Absolutely, and it's um, a sort of earthquake uh, in, uh, in geriatrics, and I think mm. around the world there's lots of debates of uh, if that drug should have been approved or or not. Look, it's a, it's not a new drug. The mechanism has been studied for an, at least one or two decades now, and it tries, that medication tries to remove plaques which are accumulating in the brain, and we think that this is causing Alzheimer's disease. But while removing these plaques and these damages in the brain from Alzheimer's patients, there is the idea that there was, you will cure the brain disease. However, mm. while giving the medication, there is then so much additional damage because of removing and cleaning a little bit the damage in the brain, Mm. that this might have lots of side effects. So personally, I think this is a highly political decision. And looking also at the mechanisms of that medication and additionally also what evidence there is, it will not be prescribed much and I think that's good, at least in Europe. I'm not sure about US, but I don't think also in Australia much in the next coming coming years. Of course, it was a highly political decision, in my opinion, and we just need much more rigorous data to actually prove that it's going to work.
1: For now, it's it's interesting to know that it's not just a case of finding a treatment that addresses symptoms. It's also finding a treatment that doesn't contribute to other symptoms or potentially lead to other negative outcomes and
0: yeah, medication always has a sort of working mechanism and if something works most of the times it also has side effects <laughs> because <laughs> you are regulating something and then there was you're interfering with other systems and the human hmm. body is very complex these studies really show that inflammation is one of the side effects and there was inducing even more damage so I think we we just need a little bit more time to sort out if this is the best strategy to cure Alzheimer's disease.
1: Fantastic, very interesting, Andrea. Thank you so much for your time. Where can people find out a bit more about your work and, and your research?
0: Look me up at Twitter, for example, Andrea B M A I E R Meyer, or LinkedIn, same Andrea B. M a i e r and the regular websites. If you are googling me, Andrea Meyer, you will find hits and all the links. And happy Excellent. to um, answer questions if you have any.
1: Perfect, Andrea. Thank you so much for your time today.
0: Thank you.
1: Well, we hope you enjoyed this episode of the Age Care Enrichment Podcast, brought to you by Silver Adventures. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening. And if you're enjoying it, please leave us a review. We'd really appreciate it. If you're interested in finding out how immersive virtual reality experiences can enrich the lives of older adults, visit the Silver Adventures website today at www.silveradventures.com.au. See you next week.